The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. My scripture passage this morning is going to be in Acts 8, 26 through 31. Acts 8, 26 through 31. You know, before the Lord's ascension, he gave his disciples the Great Commission. And in Acts 1.8, we read, But uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, this commission hasn't changed in 2,000 years. He gave it to the disciples specifically, but he gave it to all of us. In uh, the first century Christians, they took this commission extremely seriously. And they changed the whole world in one generation. So the question for us today is, how seriously are we taking the Great Commission? You know, God has commissioned every Christian uh, to share the gospel and make disciples. Philip was one of those first century Christians that took the gospel and took this commission very seriously. And uh, there are several Philips in the New Testament. This one is usually known as Philip the Evangelist or Philip the Deacon. This is not Philip the Apostle. Uh, in Acts 8, we see a beautiful picture how God used Philip, a deacon, uh, to bring the gospel to an entire continent. It begins in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, uh, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit spirit came to Philip. Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, "Uh, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked uh, Philip to come up and sit with him. The the church in Jerusalem had been growing tremendously uh, in that uh, right after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and and the Holy Spirit coming. But it caused the Jews to have a problem, and they they didn't want this to happen, so they started persecuting the church, and and it led to the stoning of Stephen. And the resulted in the church being scattered uh, throughout all the region. In Acts 8 verse 4 it says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So as these Christians were dispersed, they went around the world, the known world there, uh, uh, preaching the word. Uh, the, reminds me of uh, American GI. I don't know if you know it or not, but... Uh, 
Wherever the GI went, he took the gospel with him. You know, you hear a lot of lot of things about GIs, but the strongest people I've ever met, strongest Christians I ever met, were at GIs. And wherever there was a base, right outside that gate, there's a Baptist church. And these these uh, these young GIs that would go out and they were convicted and spreading the gospel and having a place to worship, and they would do, they would build a church. My dad said the U.S. government. My dad sort of retired after 22 years, but he said. The government sent out more missionaries than the Southern Baptist Commission ever thought of doing. And so wherever they would go, there would be a church. And that's the same way with the persecution. Wherever these Christians were, the gospel was spread. And it spread like wildfire. And this is what they called the dispersion. Uh, uh, pictures of well, the wind scattering seeds everywhere. Now around here, we're mostly familiar, I guess, with pine trees. And, and they have a little seed and has a little wing on it like... When it gets ready to just be dispersed, the wind takes it and it blows it everywhere. And that's what happens to the gospel. And that when uh, these these uh, Christians were dispersed around the world, but you know, uh, years ago, there were some oyster fishermen in the New England area, and uh, they they were struggling. It seemed like the the oysters. Were eating their uh, starfish. Were eating their oysters. Starfish, oysters were the favorite uh, food for the starfish. So what they went out and they caught as many starfish as they possibly could catch. They took a hatchet and they chopped them up in pieces and threw them back in the ocean. Well, little did they know that every piece that they threw back in grew into another starfish. So it had the exact opposite effect that they wanted it to do. And this uh, this uh, dispersion had a very the Opposite effect of what the Jews wanted. Uh, so uh, b- b- before Paul became an apostle, he was a chief persecutor of the church. Uh, he even held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. And, but he's the prim- primary person that caused persecution and, and the dispersion of Christianity throughout the world. So before Paul even became a Christian, he, he was spreading the gospel. Little did he know. But uh, instead of destroying the church, the persecution caused the church to grow exponentially. So the same thing happened in China after World War II and the communists took over. The underground church grew like crazy. But uh, persecution, I mean, uh, is what led Stephen, I mean, uh, Philip, to go to Samaria. Remember, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They wouldn't go to Samaria if, if they had to. And uh, it may have caused more... Caused, caused, he, he, Stephen, Philip was a Hellenistic Jew, which would have, may have uh, uh, led him to uh, be more open to when the Holy Spirit led him to go to Samaria. He was more willing to go and the people would accept him more in Samaria because he was a Hellenistic Jew. And so uh, uh, Philip went, I may be mixing up Philip and Stephen, okay, well, you, have, you can get it straight in your mind. But anyway, uh, Philip went to Samaria like the Holy Spirit led him to go. Uh, he healed the sick, he cast out demons, and the Samaritans responded enthusiastically to the gospel. And many, many multitudes of uh, Samaritans were saved. But God wanted to use Philip to go beyond Samaria. He wanted him to go to another continent. 
and he told uh, Philip to go on the road to Gaza, and he would reach uh, a high-ranking Ethiopian government official, uh, the, the treasurer of Ethiopia, kind of like our Secretary of State. It kind of reminds me of uh, when God wanted to reach a government, a country, oftentimes he would place a significant person in the government of that of that country. He placed uh, Moses and Joseph in the Egyptian palace. He placed Daniel in the Babylonian court. He placed Esther as the queen of Ethiopia. I mean, not Ethiopia, but uh, uh, Persia. And he would use the eunuch in the government of the Ethiopians. Uh, this, now, this uh, Ethiopian was the first con- uh, uh, recorded conversion of a Gentile. And so uh, I believe we desperately need people in our government, from the president on down. We need the Christian influence. And I pray that more people, more Christians, will be willing to run for office and serve our government. Uh, it's not something that is, is that attractive, I don't think, right now. But we need Christians in our government. Uh, this Ethiopian uh, was a worshiper of the one true God. He, he was a Gentile, but he had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he worshiped there as a as a God-fearer. And obviously he was a Gentile and not a Jew. Uh, and now he was on his way home after he was worshiping there. Uh, the Spirit told, told Philip uh, to go uh, towards Gaza. And he said that he indicated that this was a desert place. Uh, then so when he, came, he was on that road and he comes up on this Ethiopian chariot. Uh, so Philip ran and caught up with him. And uh, he heard... Uh, this Ethiopian reading the prophet Isaiah and ask him, do you understand what you're reading? And, and, you know, it's easier for us being on this side of the cross to read Isaiah and understand what he's saying. But just put yourself in the place of this Ethiopian that had knew nothing about uh, Jesus Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection. So he had more difficult time understanding it. While in Jerusalem, he must have heard the, pers- the story of the persecution of the church, the execution of Stephen, and probably heard about uh, this carpenter that was uh, crucified that claimed to be the Messiah uh, and the details of his uh, crucifixion. All of this was probably on his mind when he was reading uh, Isaiah 53, 7 through 8. He said, uh, and, and this reads, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. The Ethiopian didn't understand this. And so he asked Philip to help him. Come up, climb up here and help me understand what I'm reading. He got into the chariot and he, and, uh, uh, Philip preached to him Jesus. Now he's preaching to him Jesus out of the Old Testament. You understand that Jesus is a central theme from Genesis all the way through Revelation. It's the story of salvation and, and, and the Messiah coming to save us. Uh, the eunuch responded to this good news and he uh, he came up with uh, he came up then they came up on some water and so the, the Ethiopian says what hinders me to be baptized you know in Acts 2 38 
Peter, when he was responding to the Jews, they asked him what they needed to do to be saved. And he said, what? Repent and be baptized. Baptism is not essential, but it's important. It comes this close to being required to be saved. You're that close because it's the first act of obedience that God asks us to, to respond to. And uh, if you're not ready to respond to the first act of obedience, uh, how can you say that you're saved and going to respond to the rest of the, the uh, request that God and Jesus Christ gives to us? Uh, this, it, shows, it shows us the importance of, of uh, obedience, and it shows us the importance of obedience in this story. Philip's obedience uh, had led him to a divine encounter. You know, God had set up this divine encounter between Philip and the Ethiopian. Uh, he was at the, in the right place at the right time with the right words to answer the man's questions. Uh, this is an unlikely pair. You would never expect the Ethiopian eunuch to be running around with a Christian deacon. They had nothing in common. The only thing they had in common that God had brought them together with this divine appointment. Uh, Philip's o- obedience uh, led him from a successful ministry in Samaria where many people were being saved. Now God calls him to a desert place. He says, arise and go. Uh, and he, he told him, now can, just think about the, his situation. He was having a tremendously effective ministry in Samaria. And God tells him to leave that effective ministry and go to a desert place to witness to one Ethiopian. Uh, I'm sure it didn't make much sense to Philip. But he was obedient. He simply got up and went. Because because of Philip's obedience, this Ethiopian got saved. He brought the good news to the center of the government in Ethiopia, resulting in Christianity becoming the primary uh, religion, the dominant religion in this nation. Today, 63% of the population of Ethiopia claim to be Christian. That's 72 million out of 115, 115 million people in Ethiopia. Now that's uh, 63%. There are only 65% of the people in the United States claim to be Christian. And we were founded as a Christian nation. Uh, and this fulfilled the prophecy found in, in Psalm 6831. Envoys will come out of Egypt. Ethiopia will quickly stretch out her hands to God. God may lead us to share to the multitudes. Or he may lead us to a desert place where we only have a handful of people to witness to. And it reminds me of Billy Graham. Billy Graham was called uh, to preach to the multitudes and mass evangelism. And thousands and thousands of people got saved. We have, uh, And then we have people like Rick Warren who went to Southern California to start a church in, in the Los Angeles area. Uh, it must have seemed like a desert place to him because he was going to start this church. The only two members he was going to have was he and his wife. But soon it started to begin to grow, even in this desert place. And his attendance had grown to 23,500 weekly attendance. Now, sometimes people... Uh, readily respond to the gospel like in Samaria and Ethiopia but in others uh, they may be resistant 
You know, like they're, they're, the nations like in Eastern Europe, uh, I mean, Eastern, uh, Eastern countries, Europe, communist countries, is very difficult. But sometimes people respond readily. The question is for us, are we going to be obedient where God calls us? He may call us to visit with our neighbor down the street. He may call us to go and be an evangelist to the multitudes. I don't know what God may be calling you to do, but uh, we need to be obedient, whatever that might be. If God leads us to confront somebody with the gospel, you can be confident that God has prepared his heart before we go there and reach and talk to them. Uh, God will draw them to himself. He may use the scriptures. He may use... Uh, uh, the words of someone, he may give you the words to speak to someone that will convict their heart. And that's the way people get saved, when God draws them. The scripture tells us nobody seeks after God, but God has to draw us for us to be saved to him. And if he draws us and he leads you to go talk to somebody, then he more than likely dealt with that person ahead of you. Uh, then the Spirit led Philip to go instruct the Ethiopian. He could have used the angel. He could have used the rocks. But that's not what God's plan is. God wanted to use Philip to, to uh, share with this individual. He, want, he, he wants us to be a part of this gospel presentation. God had given Philip a Sunday, a Sunday school class of one individual. And uh, one member grew into millions over the last 2,000 years. Notice in verse 36 that God, the, the Ethiopian was obedient to baptism. So Philip was obedient and the Ethiopian then was obedient. And I pray that we'll be obedient to the Spirit's leadership. You know, in Romans 10 verse 14 we read, How then shall they call on him in whom uh, they have not believed? And how shall they believe on in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without the preacher? A preacher is anyone who shares the gospel. Every Christian is a preacher. And we all, all share the gospel. And I pray that we'll be obedient to this commission. Uh, you're here this morning because the Holy Spirit brought you here this morning. Uh, I don't know why he brought you here. I don't know if he wanted you to hear the words of a song. He wanted you to hear the words of Acts 8 or what the reason might be, but you're here is no mistake. God, God and the Holy Spirit led you here. Uh, and he may be drawing you to, to uh, faith in Jesus Christ. In, in Romans 10 verse 8, I mean verse 9, and we read that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If God's leading you, if God's calling you, won't you respond uh, to the gospel? God always calls people publicly. Maybe he, you've never been baptized. Maybe you've been saved but never have been obedient to baptism. He may be calling you to that. Uh, he may be calling you to some other decision. It has nothing to do with what I've said here this morning. But you can make that decision this morning. Or you can do business with God right there in your pew. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody anything. But you, you, we have an intercessor in heaven right now making intercession for us. And you can go, go to him directly. And you can do that right there in your pew. And so we're going to give you that opportunity. 
preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.